everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fraud Boxer Podcast. Uh, today, we're going to talk about identities, identity verification. I know it's on a lot of people's minds. There's a lot of stuff that's happening around abusive behavior in the marketplace, um, as you know from other episodes that I've talked about. One of those things that we use to, to try and help us mitigate the abuse and fraud, fraud always is on the front of our minds, is doing identity verifications. And I'm joined today by Rob DeLine from Arcal, he was the co-founder and the CEO, so we went straight to the top for this episode here, so we can get all the questions in, get all the answers from him. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, so um, you run a company called Arcal, and uh, I think a lot of people do use it. We used it um, at a previous company, a ticketing company that I was at, and we used it for step-up authentications. I know you do have APIs and you have partnerships with with folks like Certify, so there's a lot of flexibility in, in people that want to use it. But let's talk a little bit about you, where you came from, how you got here, and then we're going to dive into Arcal and what it is. So let's start with uh, with your whole life. Let's tell us all your secrets. All, all the secrets. Well, I started out uh, at Best Buy as a fraud analyst. I was a, uh, I was a contractor, as uh, maybe many of us start out mm-hmm. for the holidays. Yeah. And uh, surprisingly, to, to my surprise, I was laid off in, in the January. And uh, it stung a little bit, but uh, uh, Jason Taylor, who was my, my boss at the time at Best Buy, had sent me an email saying that Target was looking and so I had uh, gotten an analyst, uh, analyst slash consultant role with Target because they were uh, taking over their their own website. I think they were uh, everything was managed by Amazon before that, so they actually didn't have a fraud team for the dot com uh, site. Uh, how long were you were you at Target? Uh, I was at Target for a year. Okay, and then uh, after that, I took the leap and started Arco. So it was, uh, it was me and uh, (laughs) co-founder Mike Greiling. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a massive leap. I, uh, honestly, I was probably maybe three years out of college and I have, I I had no experience running, running a business at all. So I went from fraud analyst experience to all of a sudden you, you're the head of the company. That's (laughs) a, you're That's responsible ambitious. for sales, accounting, you know, the the legal, uh, everything. So it was it was it was really fun. I think uh, one of the uh, one of the huge needs I saw as an analyst was the need for the reverse email address lookup, and I felt like a lot of the analysts that they hired after me at Target kept coming up to me saying. Yeah, how do I find this information? How do I find this information? You know, why did you approve this order as opposed to this order? And for me, it was like, well, you know, I did a search for this, a search for that. It all lined up. It seemed like it was good to go. And um, a lot of times I'd be asked, well, did you call and and verify? And I'd be oh. like, well, I, I looked at the data. It, it looked great. They were doing <laughs> hard validations, like actually placing outbound phone calls, huh? Uh, well, yeah, in order to, um, I mean, they hadn't up until that point, they hadn't had their own fraud departments. So they had to get used to, uh, what fraud looked like and what fraud sounded like, you know, when you'd call up and what, what legitimate customers sounded like versus, you know, somebody trying to fish the system. 
So I think it's going to be, uh, we'll go through the history of your RKL. I think it's it's a pretty interesting history. Like, you know, you and I have discussed this and I see some of the notes, you know, that we've put on this thing here. I think it's it's going to be a really interesting story. I like the good stories, but let's talk a little bit about you and I, how we met. You know, I think uh, I think we met way long time ago when I was over at Ticketmaster and uh, we were using your guys' product in our manual review team for step-up authentications. And then uh, I think I needed to buy some stuff and you were like the nicest guy ever. Like you're just like, oh, I reloaded that. I'll send you an invoice. And it's like, normally everybody's like, give me the credit card, give me the money and then we'll talk. But you were just like, no, nope, I took care of that for you. So yeah, just want to uh, that that still sticks out of my mind to how easy you were to work with on that. Just just so you know on that one. Oh, thank you, thank you. I I love compliments, so I'll I'll take it. But uh, yeah, that was one where you know I I try to think of it. What type of what type of vendor do I want to do business with? What type of contact do I want to do business with? Yeah, for for me, it's it's really. Um, yeah, I try to replicate in my mind who I would want to do business with and kind of some mentalities and sentiments there. And that's a very great way of doing business. You know, there's a lot of sales strategies that are out there in the world, like things that obviously, you know, if you've ever heard any of the other stuff that I've done with folks, um, like other podcasts and I talk about these sorts of things, things that work for me, things that don't work for me. Um, usually for me, how you win my business is having a long-term honest relationship with me, uh, not trying to sell, sell me. And that, and I get, I get turned off by salespeople that like do a couple of things. Like one of those is the, the biggest turnoff ever in sales. And you'll I'll never do business with you is if you go around me and try and go, if I tell you no, and then you try and go to somebody that you think is above me and then tell that person that what, that I'm doing something wrong and that I need your product and you don't even know my business, you're not aware of my business or any of that, that drives me crazy. And I'll forever at any company I'm at ever work against you. If you do something like that, that's just dishonest and, and, and shitty, but also things like, um, I don't like salespeople that when I do tell them, no, they get mad and they get upset. Like you're not going to win everybody's business. That's just how it is. But what I do like is like people that try to forge some sort of relationship like this. There's been people that there's salespeople that I've had on this, this very podcast before that I've not bought things from them and I've bought things from them at the various companies that they're at. Sometimes there's a fit and sometimes there isn't, but that long-term relationship that that person has built with me will always get me to pick up the phone call, no matter what company they're at. So like, I think being calm, being non-confrontational, being easy to work with, being understanding is something that, that I think a lot of salespeople, you know, I know everybody's got a pipeline, everybody's got numbers, but like with you specifically, when you were just, I shot you an email, what do we have to do? You're like, oh, I loaded it up. You probably understood at that moment that my company had a need that we were still needed to operate with this. And you also knew without knowing me, but probably doing my company that we're good for the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, the next time it came up for renewal again, it was even easier to get this, this the process done because like I already knew who to go to and I knew how easy it was going to be. So I never had to worry like the, one of the worst things being as on the merchant side is worrying about when your renewals come up because it can be a long and cumbersome and frustrating process. And I didn't have to do that with you. So <laughs> how was all that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, diving a little bit into our story, uh, I learned that one very early on because I jumped from uh, analyst to, uh, to owning the company. And there's just, you, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know the purchasing side, <laughs> you know, the planning, the approvals, um, you know, sometimes, 
you know, our, our plans would go as low as, uh, I think, uh, yeah, $99, right. But I know what goes into paying that initial $99 might be eight meetings with 10 people that spans nine months. And so sometimes it's just a long process. And, uh, I think initially when we first started as a business, we were kind of looking at that, like, well, it's just a hundred bucks. You're a huge name company, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't that simple. And I think, uh, a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, but several of the, um, earlier customers that we had companies using us, uh, were a little annoyed with kind of a window we gave to purchase in the first, uh, when we first started, maybe in 2012. And I, I noticed that they were annoyed and thought, you know, if, if it's just a small price tag, do yeah. I really need to be as much of a stickler <laughs> just, you know, say, I know, I know they're excited about us, you know, from my standpoint, I know they're excited. I know they want to use us You know, let's, let's provide a, you know, a little bit of a slack here for them to have those meetings, get those approvals and really be excited about our product. Excellent. I think that, um, that is where like that, that this, what goes into making the purchase, especially at a large company does throw a lot of newer salespeople, people that are newer in the industry off a little bit. Um, there's procurement teams. There's uh, like a lot, a lot of people, there's DPAs, like so data processing agreements, like the contracts alone need to protect those big companies because they're very sensitive to what they are and, and what they have. And they don't want to be a part of anything that that might be like if any breaches happen at another another provider or any sort of legal issues happen, they want to be protected and shielded from that. So it can take a long time. And just to be able to get those resources, you know, like you have a procurement team, they might be working on 15 other things right now. And this one single thing might not be the top of their list. And it is only $99, you know, I think that that's where things like if you have the option to pay with a, a corporate credit card and, and do expenses and things like that could be a little little easier to do. Um, versus invoicing, but people have to be set up as vendors in companies' systems. You have to make sure that we have your your tax information, that you're above board, you know, that I'm not just cutting a check to some guy standing in the street, you know, like all of those things. And I think that salespeople, especially newer salespeople, like they they see a large company and then they just get like those dollar signs in their eyes, especially if like that they get that email return or there's any interest and they forget that like this is going to be a long thing. And I was actually talking to a couple of salespeople last week when I was at the MAG conference in Dallas about how you know this industry specifically like all of the the big folks that are usually attending these conferences that that they have their fraud tools they have the tools that they use you know there's add-ons like, like like you're you're an add-on service you know like they're you're not a platform up front you're something that we can plug into our platform to help us make the decisions more accurately and i think that as you approach some of these merchants you need to be aware that they probably have an agreement with a provider already and that agreement might span multiple years so if you start approaching them and talk to them about how great your new platform is and you have all the this, the silver bullet that i hate people talking about that's great and they might love it and they might want to see it but they're still locked up in a contract for x amount of time so like you can't put arbitrary dates and things around when they have to have a decision like they'll have a decision when they're damn well ready and i've had a couple of salespeople that have worked with me in multiple years long time on a lot of things of like three four years and they got the contract eventually but they had to put the work in and the people some people just aren't willing to put the work in they want the fast sale they want the commission check and they want to go home and go on vacation and that just doesn't work always <laughs> uh, no it does not not especially not in uh in our industry 
not at all when you have uh i think uh i was like calculating it out you know if you have a meeting of eight people and you have eight meetings (laughs) paying those people per hour per meeting i was like you know it it costs more for the meeting but at the same time you know to what you're saying you know that the legal company you know and uh having to go through the process of procurement so yeah let's talk about um you know other things that come along with the sales process like generating leads and stuff so i was just at a conference you know everybody has booths and stuff and then uh, one of the things that you know i think a lot of people do is they do their little rounds through the uh through the conference hall to pick up swag and stuff you know i'll give you this uh, stuffed animal i'll give you this t-shirt if i can scan your badge and all that do you uh how do you feel about about the the swag for leads or any of that who's who's got good swag anyways i I love going around and picking up swag. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't need it at all, but it's it's kind of like I don't know, it, it's kind of like a treasure hunt almost. <laughs> it's so uh, I used to work before long ago in another life. I used to work in the fashion industry and I was a men's buyer for a chain of retail stores. And I would go to a, a conference that happened twice a year in Las Vegas called uh, Magic. The Men's Apparel Guild in California is what it stands for, but it was in Las Vegas, so it wasn't in California anymore. But I would actually bring a completely second suitcase just for all the free swag that I was going to get. I was going to get sunglasses. I was going to get shirts. I was just going to get random stuff. So I would bring a completely second suitcase just to pack home all the crap I get. Now, granted, that was when you could uh, bags flew free um, like they don't anymore. But uh, that's just that stuck out in my mind when we were talking about the swag thing before. But I, I do go around. I've been trying to limit it a little bit lately just because like if you see like, I mean, nobody will be able to see this. But behind me, there's like a. a stuffed animal that I got at the last merchant uh, advisory group in Orlando. Um, yeah, I I have a tremendous amount of like shirts, though, and a, a ton of like the the Yeti style water bottles. I have just a grip of those things like like so many water bottles. I don't know what to do with okay. and wine tumblers. Everybody loves wine tumblers. <laughs> yeah, I think for for us, I was trying to think of you know, what are people going to use? What do I, what do I keep? Right. What do I, you know, have around, you know, and it's definitely, um, definitely those Yeti style cups. I know even, um, even my wife, (laughs) uh, she'll, uh, she actually really loves the Zikata one. (laughs) <laughs> okay. competitor of ours i was gonna right? say i was, I was gonna <laughs> so, say but, but she she'll wrap ricotta <laughs> how does that she, make you feel you don't put a sticker over it or anything yet it's it's a nice no i don't it's a nice cup they they deserve the 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 publicity for the cup you know for for me i thought through it i was like you know i always use pens people always grab pens um i was having a conversation with my um, one of my longtime friends here in Minnesota, we went to the state fair and, uh, you know, they have swag at the state fair and he was saying, man, I, I don't like going up for swag at all. I don't like, you know, especially if I'm not that interested because somebody's going to try to sell me, somebody's mm-hmm. going to, you know, and I'll feel bad if I just go up and take it. And I, I was telling him, Hey, you know, like we, we had pens at ours, you know, I just went to a conference, we had pens and, uh, I love that people just come up and grab them, even if they don't talk to us, because they're going to keep that around their house. You know, yeah. he was useful, like, you know, I won't feel so bad. <laughs> useful things is different than like, than like prizes, you know, like things like you, you want people to like bust out a pen while they're like 
at the bank or like at their next meeting, you know, that has your name. That's, that's cool to be, to have something like that, that people are going to use, you know, um, I actually was up at Lexus Nexus this summer. Uh, they had a, a executive retreat for their services or talking about some of the new stuff that they're doing going forward with like behavioral sec acquisition and, and that sort of thing. And they had this like Yeti style coffee cup one with like a nice little topper and everything. And I, I, because I'm getting old, I go on walks every morning um i fill that thing up with my coffee and go on my walk and it's like been the best little coffee cup thing and it stays hot all day this is like we're going like back to the 80s when like thermos was a thing it's like we went we came full circle we abandoned thermos we went back to ceramic mugs then we went all the way through the, the starbucks thing and now we're coming back into these metal dual chamber stays hot all day but i i even use that 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 lexus nexus go to the office i had to go to the office two days this week and that was like, I only had to fill it up once. It was hot all day. It was great. <laughs> you got, uh, you got your fraud boxer mug too. I do. I have it right here. Um, if anybody, we uh, got one of those. Did, right? did I saw, I saw, yeah. Did you order a hat too? Or was it, was it the mug? Like, like, no, just, just the mug. I, was, I think I've, having... only, I've only sold mugs so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People like the mugs, but I think it's, 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 it's utility, you know, like you, you got to use it. They're a little smaller than I would have liked them to be, but they're but they also limit so you don't over caffeinate yourself. But uh, yeah, um, okay, let's pivot into Arcal. I think this is the exciting stuff. This is the bulk of the thing. I would love to know the Arcal history. I think that you have a super interesting history of how you've grown this product, how you've expanded this product. Uh, I would love everybody to know what it is. I I'm going to have some questions for you. I have actually have it pulled up over on my screen right here. The, I think it's a ton of extremely useful information. It's different information that you do get from other providers. So would love to go through the Arc Owl journey, please. Oh yeah, no, I, I love sharing it. It's a, um, yeah, I feel like I've lived several different lifetimes with, with how the product has grown, how the company's grown, uh, early on, uh, while I was working at target, uh, it actually started with a dream. I, you know, my career aspirations was, you know, I want to be a fraud analyst, you know, maybe move into a fraud consultant or, uh, you know, fraud manager, you know, and I think, uh, I, I kept being, um, you know, thinking along, uh, along those terms. And one night I had a dream where I was like running my own company. Oh. It was like a vendor company. And I woke up and I was like, wow, that's a really cool dream. You know? And I was like, could I make that an aspiration? And so I started kind of thinking of different ways that we could have a company in the fraud industry. And I kept also at the same time getting other questions from analysts, uh, my team members asking about email addresses a lot. And so that's kind of how we started the thought process for our call was, can we have a, uh, an accurate source for email addresses at the time we had um, we had sources that would tell us about the email handle where, you know, it would kind of take guesses at who's behind it based on the name or the characters in the handle. Um, there would be, uh, services out there that you could type the name in and it would say, you know, these four email addresses might be tied to this person. And I could actually go to, the email provider and actually register those emails <laughs> normally. So it, you know, either that the person was never tied to it or they let it expire. Um, but there was, 
there was a lot of guesses when we first started Arcal, and so I wanted a service that didn't uh, didn't rely on a guess, didn't say, you know, hey, this could be it. Uh, I wanted real data um, in regards to an email address. So that was kind of the founding mentality we had thought of how to do it. Um, and I think uh, uh, I think our product today is maybe different than um, how we drew it up initially. The concept is still there. Um, but, uh, when we first started, um, when we first had that idea, I took, uh, took Mike out to dinner and said, what do you think about this? And he's like, you know, I'm in, um, and then it probably wasn't for several months. We, you know, I had it at the back burner of my idea stuff that I would build for a product. And, um, several months later, they had the, uh, the YQL, the Yahoo, where it said creation dates. And it was a few uh, remember that, but I, I had an interface where you could go to called Yahoo Pulse. I, I don't remember that interface specifically, but I know other companies were hitting that API and that was the one, the Yahoo emails is where they could get an actual definitive date. Like it was 100% accurate when that yep. email was created. Yeah. Is that, is that for the same thing? Yes. Yeah, so they actually used to have an interface that you could, uh, that an analyst like, would go to. Did and you have so to have a subscription I, or was it public facing? Nope. It was just public facing and it was for, uh, I think the main use case was the, um, the, what's it called? Fantasy football. Oh yeah. I used it. It was like a, football it was like a directory for fantasy football that you'd ping. Well, and an analyst could just go there and it actually said, this has been a member since, and the member since date normally lined up with the creation date of the email address itself. Interesting. Um, yeah, it, my my fantasy football definitely does, and that's how I use legitimacy when I join somebody else's league that I'm about to come in and dominate their entire season with my <laughs> my experienced account. Actually, I'm zero and three. Uh, it's not been a good fantasy year for me. So you're doing the Yahoo Pulse thing, doing the uh, the checking that you figured that out. Well, uh, uh, no, we didn't figure that out. That went down one day. They they sunsetted it. Uh, it was no more where you could go to this page, type in an email address and get the creation date. So, um, you know, the, everybody's you know emailing on the MRC, you know, kind of saying, oh, shoot, we lost this page. Uh, analysts are freaking out because that was a uh, that was a huge source where you would go to just detect fraud right away. You could say, wow, this was created three seconds ago like reject yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was a very solid indicator of fraud um you know so everybody's panicking and i think uh, at that time um you know some folks had uh found the api as well as how to ping that one the yql api and uh that was one where uh, we came in uh, and just built a quick interface to just connect to that api and that's all all we did when we started, I actually wasn't viewing that as a, as our idea for the company. Uh, we uh, we slapped our logo on it that we had, you know, thought of for our our email verification company, and uh, we just threw it out there saying, "Hey, use this link to recreate what you used to have with the user interface." And so I think for the first. Um, for the first maybe 10 months, we just provided it as a free service while I was at Target. Um, you know, we provided it 
free. I wasn't even actually thinking of it as being a company startup at that point. Made it for like yourself and your peers to yeah. have a easier access to the information. Yeah, that's all I was thinking. And uh, I think the more the more I thought about it, the more people around me were encouraging, like, you got to make a business out of this. And I'm like, I can't make a business out of, you know, somebody manually checking Yahoo emails only. <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, it was like we had the we had the idea for it, um, for the email verification. Uh, this seemed to go in a step in that direction. Um, you know, it happened at the exact right time that we almost needed it to, um, you know, people were desperate for it. We just gave it there. And then, um, you know, from that we were like, how do we, we could turn this into a business. We could add more to this and we could do more than just Yahoo emails. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it was even, I think even some people at target were encouraging me like, Rob, you got to quit and actually start selling this, you know, and I'm, um, so, uh, I think, uh, you know, I, uh, one week I had kind of a crisis where I was like, do I do this? Do I not? You know, yeah. so I'm, I'm praying through it. And then, uh, you know, I felt, felt like, you know, I gotta just, I gotta just take the lead. I can't be, you know, 50 years old and regret, you know, Hey, I had this idea, stuff came together for me to do it. And I just didn't do it. You know, I couldn't live with that. So, um, I, I did it. I, I went to, I went to target and I said, you know, like, um, I gotta do this. I gotta see it through. And so they, they gave me a box and walked me out. <laughs> and that was uh, nice of them, right? At least they got yeah, the box. <laughs> I think those, those first couple of weeks, yeah, I kind of sat there like, what am I doing now? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you ever watched the office where, you know, Michael quits and he starts his own paper company and he's just sitting in his apartment, you know, in his PJs, just kind of that what next kind of feeling. I really relate with that, that episode, just like, okay, I quit. Like, how, how this long ago crazy. was this? Well, this, this, was, this like was 2012, right? 2012, yeah. So 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you left there and then how long did you, so you had your, 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 your Michael moment. And then did you guys immediately start work on, on a, on a, a longer term product? Like, uh, yeah, actually, um, kind of those early stages, I was figuring out how to actually be a company. You know, what do I got to do? I got to register with the state. Oh, yeah. you know, hey, the state wants their money every time. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I think top priority was actually getting the word out about just the, um, you know, the e the Yahoo that we were there to help with that Yahoo check. Um, and, uh, once, once word got out about that, um, we, we had a moment where I think, uh, I think it was in March, uh, Jason Taylor, who was working at Best Buy, my previous manager who had, you know, recommended me to target, but also, you know, said he couldn't keep me as a contractor, right? He was the one who, um, had initially shared our, our link with, uh, the MRC over the mailing list. And so that was, uh, so then you got a bunch of traffic, <laughs> huge boost in traffic. And, and then we were kind of like, well, what do we do with all this traffic? You know, how do we, how do we, how do we be better for the other emails out there that aren't just Yahoo? And so we added, uh, I think maybe it was that year or the year after we added who is, we added a couple social checks being like a, a Facebook and a Twitter, yes or no check. 
we added our first scene date, which back in 2012, our first scene date was pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, it's, I'm, I'm looking at my own here, you know, and I can see my first scene, but yeah, we'll talk about probably that in a little bit here and how those work. Cause you know, it used to be like, well, I guess we're talking about now. Some some other providers would try and pull in the first scene and they'd count it like on the registration date. And then some like where I, I like personally when it's first seen in the network. So you could see if today was the day it was first seen, but there's been five different hits on it, like somebody's up to something, you know, like why are these people looking this email up rapidly all of a sudden, you know? So I like the, the dates how it keys like how you're doing it personally. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I think uh, back in 2012, though, it was like first seen a month ago, because that's, that's how old we were. Yeah, but I mean, that's, <laughs> so yeah, everybody's got to start somewhere, but like, it depends on how much, yeah, and it depends on how right. much, like, like that, that thing should be like a, a factor in the decision, not the deciding factor always, you know, especially on a new service, you know. <laughs> oh, <fun>. yeah, <clears throat> De definitely. But I mean, now my email would say you know 12 years old in Arcal at least right so or 10 years old um but uh yeah we we had started with that um and then we we converted it to a business uh i think uh i had recognized that it would probably be a tough leap to start charging you know we had and i i, I debate about you know regretting mm -hmm. this you know our start when we started to charge because you know, I, that was one where I was like going from an analyst to, um, to CEO and co-founder, you know, we had started charging for our service and put it behind a login in October. And that's an absolute no, no. Oh yeah. Right before <laughs> for, the holiday season. Yeah. But we didn't, uh, we didn't charge per query there. We actually said, you know, to get it for the rest of the holidays through the end of December. Um, I think it was $60 for the whole thing. So $60 for your whole team. Did you have pretty good it. adoption? So we had really good adoption. Uh, we were just looking for a low commitment to say, are you guys with us long term? Um, but even still, you know, when we flip that switch, I think uh, if I was to redo it, I might flip it in, you know, March or February. <laughs> yeah. Give, give people um, a, a little minute. It's like, it's like what, uh, like the drug dealer method, you know, the first one's on us because then you know, you're hooked. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh yeah, we had we had a really good adoption, um, you know, and for the next, I would say, three years, um, you know, it was still mainly Yahoo email addresses that our service was seeing. Uh, in 2015, uh, we added a lot more social checks. We added the breach data. Uh, we added the API. So it actually, I would say we actually probably more became a product in 2015 um, but the product of the Yahoo couple social checks and the who is, um, took us to 2015, you know, we didn't even come out with our API until 2015. And so then, we and were then, just manual was just, checks. Was it just you two building it or like, did you guys have a team? It was just us two. Wow. So it was, uh... it was me and Mike to start. Um, I had, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we didn't take on any investor money, so we had to uh, we had to really get creative with our budget. I moved How... into a farm. Wow, you moved into a farm? <laughs> a farmhouse. Um, well, not a farm. Like it's it was kind of like a farmhouse. It was out in the you know maybe 
30, 40 miles from Minneapolis where it's, you know, all farmland. And there was, uh, I, I had to deal with, uh, bats. Okay. <laughs> I would right. wake up to a, to a bat in the room and yeah, I just kind of flip the light on and then hold the, hold the blanket <laughs> up to kind of make the wall and push it towards the door and get it out, out the house. That's pretty um, wild. They're building a we, company, building a tech company out in a farmhouse with bats. <laughs> yeah, we lived, we lived really meagerly to, you know, make it where we were uh, viable for our users. I wanted to have it where I was available in case, um, in case our customers and users had needs, um, in case something, something happened where I had to address it. Um, I think there, there was a temptation there to pick up another job to kind of make ends meet at that time. But I really wanted, uh, I really thought that, um, when needs arise, there should be somebody there. Yeah. And so that's, that's where, you know, I was like, how do we make that happen? Well, I can live on less, um, you know, do, do I take on investment so that I can live in a nice apartment now? Or can I live on less and just make it work and have have more stake? And so I think a lot of people take that VC money now. Like a lot of people, a lot of I see people raising VC money before they even have a product even close to being out. And I'll see them raising like a hundred million dollars. And we'll talk about that. And I think a little later too, uh, our opinions on that. But um, yeah, but then I think uh, that so 2016 was a, was a big changing point for you then too. Maybe the maybe the farmhouse. Maybe you're gonna get an upgrade. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we uh, so 2015 we actually added all these things in kind of a beta, uh, a beta version. We had it, um, you know, where companies were testing it. We were seeing uh, what product, you know, was actually working as far as our uh, our email checks were and. Uh, you know, we, we learned a lot from 2012 to 2015, as far as what our users and customers were looking for. And in 2016, we released Arcal 2.0, which, uh, I think at, at the time when we released 2.0, uh, 20% of our users were paying us for Yahoo emails, which was a huge boost for us, um, in, in our confidence level in our product, <laughs> yeah. because I think, yeah, you know, initially we were 2012 to 2014, it was just all Yahoo coming in. Um, so it, it kind of showed us, Hey, we are very useful for helping with fraud prevention, uh, on every email address that could come in. Yeah. So we, uh, along with that, we, we dropped our price tag. Um, we, because we were only Yahoo and only manual review. We had a, uh, I think our highest price point was seven cents per query. Yeah. Sure. And I think our average was maybe five to six cents per user per query. And so when we came out with Argyle 2.0, we were, um, we were probably more viable for all the queries that would come in. So we were able to really reduce that price tag down to, uh, now you had volume. <laughs> we had volume yeah so before beforehand there wasn't the volume so there had to be a higher price point yeah and i see like um some of the other providers you know it's depending on how much volume you use but i think that that that, that pricing puts you in an extremely competitive place uh, amongst your peers there <laughs> uh probably a little lower actually than i think most people would pay unless they're pinging a service a million or more times a month you know um so that was what six years ago then huh so when all that happened. So how, how have you been since? Like what's, what's, what's the, what's the latest? 
Well, after 2.0, I was able to move out of the farmhouse. Oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think, uh, you know, maybe in 2017, late 2016, I, was, um, I moved to, you know, a nicer apartment closer to the city. And, uh, um, you know, we've been, uh, well, we've been growing ever since. It's, I, I almost consider it as if we started in 2015, even though we started in 2012 just because of the revenue has actually more matched and the growth has actually more matched what a startup would look like so i kind of see us more as developing the product from 2012 to 2015 yeah. 2016 um so it's it's been really cool it's been a really fun ride um and uh we've we've had each year brings a new challenge which is fun and yeah. each year i look back and i'm like you know, wow, I'm so blessed to, um, you know, to see this. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, big picture looking back, it's really cool in the moment, uh, being a owner, being a founder, you're always thinking about what could go wrong, what's happening now, what, you know, what can I fix? But, you know, taking a step back, looking at the big picture, seeing, you know, this was the growth over the past five years. This is where we came from it's it's really cool um one of those challenges was uh the yahoo right that's a uh, 2017 right when so verizon purchased yahoo oh yes and For an obscene uh, amount of money that was uh, completely inappropriate <laughs> at the time and now it's even less appropriate <laughs> and our our representative that actually helped us um program uh with the yql um, actually reached out to us and said, we're sunsetting the YQL. And we were like, is there anything we can do to convince you to change your mind? <laughs> um, yeah. Cause that's, you know, that's all we started with was the YQL and the Yahoo check. That's our main, um, you know, in our minds, like we lose the YQL, we lose, we lose everything, you know, and it went down and, uh, two months later we had our best month ever. And, well, I mean, you and, have the data now, like, and you have that first scene, yeah. that first scene, if you get enough, you know, that first scene can be super powerful, even, even without having the, the network data from them, you know, we actually didn't record uh, the creation dates from them. We didn't record any. So when a search would come in Arcal, the only thing that we would store would actually be the query itself to say we first saw it. Got it. Um, so all of that data that you'd see come back into Arcal in the moment of the query, that is, you know, pinging the other sources in the moment of the query. So you are, I was going to talk about that. I wasn't asked about that. So you brought it up because there are <laughs> a lot of, of things like um, a lot of the socials, you know, so I, I ran it this morning on my, my fraud boxer email. Uh, because I just did a big move. I just uh, moved off of my web host that I've been at since 2009 and moved it into to Google. Um, my web house, my web host was being a little obnoxious and the price kept going up and Google is pretty reasonable. And then I get access to the calendar. I get access to the docs. I get so much more by going to Google. So I try to be pretty protective with my fraud boxer email as far as like where I sign up for things, um, where I register things, you know, only stuff for the podcast really get gets used for that. And then talking to, to guests like yourself uh, and using the Google Docs there. So I dumped it in on Narcal today to see what it would bring up. And it brought up a lot. <laughs> um, it brought up, like, obviously the, the, the registration information is, is 
is there for like the domain. So you could, you got that right, you know, GoDaddy, like everybody else in the whole world. But you also pulled that it, it was a Google account, that it was in the Google system. It was there. First scene was today, you know. Um, you got, you were able to associate, it looks like my phone number with it. So you got the correct carrier on there, which is super cool. Uh, and then you pulled in other things like my Snapchat, my Skype, because you were, you must have done some fuzzy logic on there too, with, with, based on my name, my email. I think, oh, no, I did put my address in too to see what would happen. So you are pulling all of all of this data around this. And I think that that's great. Um, you don't have the Instagram, you don't have Facebook because I don't have that associated with that. And I been, keep those ones pretty close to the vest there. Um, but there is a lot of information that, that definitely shows that, that this email is very clearly a real person even though it's first seen today in your system. So I thought that that's really powerful, how much information you're getting in this one quick query that would cost two cents. Um, so props to you on that. Now, one of the things that I think that is going to come up, so you pull in a lot of information, you pull in like the social data, the phone numbers, um, carrier data, you know, caller ID data, um, you do IP now. That's a thing that I think you added this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the... How has it been over the last few years with the ever-growing focus on privacy for people? And I don't think I put that in the notes, but I'm going off the cuff here and I'm going to ask you because I think you said like with the, it's, it's brought it up a lot with the YQL and the Pulse being sunsetted. The privacy stuff has to come up and it has to be on the front of your mind. Oh, abs absolutely. And when it comes to privacy too, uh, and I'm not... I'm not afraid of that question. <laughs> okay, that's good because I asked <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't mind that one. Um but uh I think with the data that we store um with uh with how we store it with um you know even our mentality to it even with kind of even growing the business in 2012 um we made it a point not to store uh, that I think Yahoo actually would pass through birth dates. Oh. So you could see a birth date of somebody. Jesus, you Yahoo, that was the... very nice. They, they, <laughs> yeah. they put social security number too, or that's just Equifax. <laughs> I, I think it was a uh, location, birth date. Um, you get the name, their nickname. Um, they passed, they passed through a lot and we made a conscious choice not to, uh, not to store that, you know, our, our philosophy to, has been one of, uh, unless we know how to absolutely secure it, let's not keep it. Um, so the only data that we will keep from a query is that, uh, that email address, that phone check, the IP, you know, whatever the input is, we keep a log of it just to say we first seen it. Um, and so a lot of our data revolves around uh, more the input than it does so, the outputs. So you're when I put my information, you're querying, you're pulling this information back and you're displaying it, but you're not storing much of it except for the first scene, the date, right? Is that, is that what you're yep. saying? Correct. So so this is all a real time. Every single one of these connections is, a, is a, a ping to an API that pulls back this information. So it's being displayed, but you're not having to deal with much PII on your side except for the, the email and like the information that's inputted for first scene dates, right? Correct. That's pretty cool because you could a lot of people could would be going crazy and storing information here, you know, and doing other things, trying to create platforms, you know. So that's that's good. So it's something that you are aware of and you found a way to balance. So yeah. Very interesting. So 
Arkell clearly was started because you had a need to you had a need when you were at Target to to get this information. So clearly there was something that you were trying to solve for there. And I think like I've said at the beginning of this podcast, it was like the need for identity verification has grown extensively over the last 10 years since you created this. So like what other is there anything else? Are there other things that like now that you're trying to solve for uh at Arkell? I think uh one of the concepts early on when um, we've seen a shift with our call, but one of the concepts early on, even in my training at target or my training at Best Buy was one of, um, you know, you're not, you're not here to stop fraud. You're here to get the business. And so it's like, what information can we provide that helps a company approve orders? What can we do to approve it? What, what excuse can we give somebody to say, Hey, this is a legitimate order. Uh, when we started Arcal, it was the YQL, and yeah, uh, Arcal could provide that. Hey, this was created an hour ago. Hey, this domain was created a day ago. Um, and uh, there's elements of that that are still there. There are fraud indicators within Arcal, um, but there's been a shift of focus to say how can how can we give a system an excuse to approve an order? So with Arcal. Uh, there was a shift from, you know, we knew that when we added the API in 2015, that we would see, you know, someday we'd see more API queries than we would manual review. Uh, and we are definitely seeing that now. Um, so That's <laughs> yeah, it's, how do we, <laughs> yep. How do we make it where the system uh, can look at our data and say, you know, let's let's not show this to an analyst. Let's get this out the door quicker. Um, so that's that's been our mentality. Um, you know, definitely, you know, if if we see fraud indicators, we definitely want to throw those into our into our data as quickly as we can. Um, but that's kind of been our focus: is let's um, let's widen the gap. Let's make it where you know, legit. Legitimate customers are more obviously legitimate. Let's make it where fraudsters, fraudsters who are lazy, right? We'll get into talking about synthetics, um, but let's make it where fraudsters who are easy, you know, get rejected quicker too. Yeah, that low hanging fruit. And I think usually when I've used identity services, um, I've used them both in like the individual query doing manual review myself, but I've also used them in an API fashion. Uh, what I would usually use it myself, depending on the size of the business that I'm at, is I do a step up, up like check. So if I obviously the easy stuff, the approves the and the rejects, like the hard rejects, those ones you can get out of your 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 system right away. You can get people on with their day. But the those middle grounds that people usually look at middle uh, manual review, if you have a, a, a service that you can call like an API and get some sort of validation on that subset of orders there, you could probably get a lot of those ones, especially like that low hanging fruit, those easy ones out of those queues. So you don't have to have humans wasting time on doing those and you get them to focus on the ones that are that are the real more challenging orders that really might be the gray area um, or the ones with the synthetic identities that she'll talk about in just a second. So I do, I, I, I appreciate that, that you, you guys recognize that and you recognize how, because you guys came from fraud background, you came from, you know, how we would prefer to use the tools and, and it's all workflow. Like this is, I hate when people would, would, will check work that they're certain about just because they have like that, that, that weird, I just want to double check. So they'll like waste time pinging a service, costing money, 
wasting time, 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 double checking something that they already know the answer to, you know? So getting, getting stuff workflow more efficient is going to be, is, is really useful. And, and I think that you guys are a useful player in that space to, to improve that. And I, and I like that you guys are, are looking at that. So, yeah, let's, um let's go into some of the identity trends because I know like the, there's, we mentioned synthetic identity, but there's a couple others. So let's have you talk about some of the identity trends that you are seeing. I mean, there's the easy ones, there's more complicated ones. I think this is like what um, a lot of people will be interested in, in hearing is stuff that they might not be aware is happening to them, but is happening to them um, and what you guys are seeing and, and possibly any way that you guys are, are, are using your stuff to, to detect it and, and stop it. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain kind of from our perspective Right, we see the inputs, we see the outputs. Um, we do, uh, we will do case studies uh, from time to time, and we actually offer case studies free. It helps us. It helps helps our customers. You're just too nice of a company, man. <laughs> I know, I know. I I get that every once in a while. That you know, from friends, they're like, you know, Rob, you you should really <laughs> stop giving some of this stuff away for free. Yeah. I'm on a free but, trial right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, and our queries never expire. So some, uh, we, we do still have some companies still on a free trial or some even, um, yeah, I feel uh, we're going to, we're probably going to become a full-time customer pretty soon here. Yeah. I think we're getting some value out of it. So like, don't worry, don't that's, worry. We'll catch you a check that's one pretty day. Cool to hear. <laughs> I, I can wait. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got um, your your basic ones. So your basic identity, you got the lazy fraudster, right? The lazy fraudster is just gonna go quantity over quality. They're gonna, they're probably not gonna make up an email address, but they may make up a phone number depending on how how the system that they're pinging is set up. You know, does it take um, does it do two factor authentication? If not, um, you know, does it um, does it make it where they send an email confirmation? Do they send a text confirmation? If it sends an email confirmation, everything's done over email, which is what makes our service great. Um, is that the fraudster wants to get the email too? So if you have um, yeah, a fraudster, especially for like digital goods, you're going to have it where the email is very important to both the customer and the fraudster, like. Uh, your basic quantity over quality fraudster is going to probably purchase or make bulk email addresses and then um, just throw it at the system. The names aren't going to line up. The phone number is probably going to be disconnected when you call it. Um, you know, it's not going to verify anything. And ArcOwl will show no data whatsoever first seen today. Um, you know, that's that's the really basic one. That's the one that you know, a system can even help out with. Yeah. Um, and I think the, those are ones that, that I think the vast majority of see and, and are aware, you know, there's always like first, last, and then like two or three numbers plus like a, add a Yahoo, you know, or add a Gmail. And then your name on the account is completely different. They're just smacking a bunch of lists using the bot, trying to see what they can get through. Then there's the, the, the email services like Yachtmail and stuff that have those throwaway emails where you don't need a password to go into. I hate those. those. I mean, I understand the, the necessary life of having those throwaway email services so that you don't get blown up with spam. But at the same time, like when I think money's changing hands, you need to have a pretty firm identity. So I usually don't 
enjoy allowing um, the throwaway email services. Now, Apple's kind of throwing a little bit of a wrench in, in everybody spoke with their with their private relay system. Uh, I'm I'm still of, of a, a firm belief on that. That you know, again, money's changing hands, so you could choose your level of tolerance for allowing um, Apple the private relay um, for both the the IPs and the and the actual um, email addresses themselves, whether you choose to allow those or not, um, it's up to you. I think the value of your goods, if it's a higher value, you probably shouldn't allow that and then have a, a pretty clear customer service messaging that, you know, we need you for your safety and the, and the protection of you. We need to have your, your real email associated with your real account here. Apologies. Fix that. Try to purchase again. Call it a day. But then getting outside of like these little things, you know, we have these synthetic identities that I think are a little more robust in what their what their approach is and the these can be more challenging for the usual casual business that doesn't have multi layers doesn't have super experienced people like where their their fraud team is usually moonlighting in fraud from another department so let's talk about that i think synthetic identities is something that that people mention a lot but i don't know if they actually talk about so can you expand on that for my listeners yeah, synthetic identity is where um, you have somebody growing an identity, kind of like you know you're a gardener and you're growing these plants, you know, over, you know, and this this could be over years. Um, somebody's making uh, making purchases with the same email, same name, um, you know, same credit card, same IP, same device ID, um, and basically growing uh, growing an identity that isn't there. So it's uh, you know, it happens at the bank level uh, first, where they're um, you know kind of like uh, shows you watch where somebody who provides a fake ID has kind of made purchases with with the ID and shown that it's a real person without showing up. You maybe think of uh, Shawshank Redemption, where he shows up in the end to the bank and no one had ever seen him before. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, an excellent kinda, way to put that. <laughs> he's he's been growing this identity i mean you're rooting for um, yeah andy dufresne right you're andy rooting dufresne. for him he's, yeah and he strolls it was an he's, injustice. He's been paying taxes he's been doing the whole thing you know yeah and i think um like there's a little bit of tie back to to my my very first episode with alexander hall he talks about how he would um grow identities too and basically become that person um back in his in his previous time before he was uh a good guy now but i think that is a really interesting approach that people it's like it's kind of like the the old the old way to say the long con you know you 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 have to you, it takes a little more time uh but the payoffs for the fraudsters tend to be a lot more lucrative if that makes sense oh yeah because because you look good the business wants to sail right and you as the fraud analyst don't want to be the one to to cancel somebody with a good history <laughs> yeah. just because you're kind of suspicious. So what are you guys doing to, to detect anything like that? Do you have anything like, uh, does it work well? Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think uh, what I recommend is uh, our service plus others uh, for, uh, for synthetic, you need a 3d approach. You can't just be looking head on um, like it's a picture on the wall. You need to rotate. Um, you know, that's kind of a metaphor, but, um, you really need to, um, see it from multiple angles. Um, you know, you need the email address data, you need the IP data, you need, um, you know, that at the bank level, 
right? The addresses need to line up. So there's only, you'd hope there's only so much that they would fake as they're growing it, but um, you know, it's, you're looking for them to miss something, right? And so I think uh, even even a lot of the the users, the companies that use us, will hear that they um, they use Ikata, they use um, you know other data providers alongside with us because the way that we get our data is different than other competitors, and the way they get their diff- their data is different from us. And so there, there could be uh, identifiers there that, you know, maybe it doesn't say anything in ArcGL at all, and maybe that is an indicator, whereas, you know, potentially it says something in another service or it lines up in another service, but just enough, you know, it not saying anything in ArcGL does, you know, potentially raise that flag there where it's like, well, you know, something seems off here, and that's that's what. I think that's the best you can get with synthetics is, yeah, um, you know, somebody saying that's, that looks a little off. Um, so, and we, we would play a role in that. We're going to be, you know, detecting a synthetic, you're, you, know, you think of like the whole dinner plate, you know, we'll, we'll be a menu item on that dinner plate, but you need, you need more than us. You need more than one service, one data source, I believe to, really see the full picture the 3d it's very refreshing to hear a vendor say they're not the silver bullet that they're they're a piece of the whole puzzle you know like i i, I appreciate that because so many years i've been in this industry everybody always says that if i buy their service i'm never going to need anything else ever again ever so refreshing have you ever used your own service to protect yourself against uh anything or or you're used it for yourself at all <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think we, you know, I I created it to help me in my job initially, right? So that's one where I want a service that I myself <laughs> would use to protect me. Uh, I actually will use it to help family members too. They'll message me like, "Rob, is this is this spam? Is this phishing?" And um, you know, I'll put the phone number in or whatever uh, input that they give me, and I'll. I'll basically a lot of times, uh, a lot of times it's the VOIP carrier when it comes to like spam and phishing. Um, you know, if if it's an email, um, you know, you'll you'll look at the email and it's got nothing nothing coming back if it's you know nefarious. Yeah. But uh, I, I had it one time last year. I was trying to get into uh, Game Seven of the Hurricanes versus the Bruins, and. Uh, um, yeah, hockey. I was, it, it was that day. Yeah. Hockey, hockey game in Carolina. And, uh, I had, uh, I, I was looking on Craigslist cause I, you know, I had had some success with, um, buying Craigslist oh. in the past. From my ticketing um, background there, that just made me sweat. I'm just going <laughs> to let you know like that, that right there is everything <laughs> that I was always battling against people that, that would come in through the, uh, the customer service channels and, and get to my department. Oh. But yeah, but, go ahead. But I have, <laughs> I I have my fraud tool to help me out. Yeah, you do. You have you have a leg up than the average person trying to buy half price Broadway tickets and then are surprised yep. Pikachu when it when they get up to the the box office and they're denied entry. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I, 
I'm, uh, I'm reaching out to almost every single ad and one of them actually looked semi-legit, you know, wording wise, it matched up with what somebody who, you know, a late cancellation of the game might look like as far as text goes. And so then I, I, I text the number, um, yeah, everything's lining up in their response. Um, but then I add the number into Arkell. I see it's a, um, a VOIP, which makes it a little higher risk there. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, you know, I'll, uh, I'll text them and ask some details about the hurricanes as a team and start vetting them. And, you know, he, he answered all of the questions correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, he said something about the twins, um, oh. which I was like, I was like, you must have seen my 612 number. <laughs> so he, he, so you were trying to social engineer each other is what yep. you were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he didn't, he didn't pass that one. There was, there's one legitimate person that I talked with, but by the time I circled around, he had sold his tickets, which so you, never, you didn't get to go which to that shows game? it. Nope. I did not, but it shows he was legitimate because he had sold them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. If he's like, yeah, no, they're gone. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm sorry you didn't get to go to that game, but I was actually talking. Um, I was with some people from CMSPI last night, having some, some happy hour cocktails. And uh, we were talking about like how their college, they're from the South. So they got college football's big down there. And we were talking about how to get entry into college football games as far as like, but actually finding deals. And I was telling him how, like when I go to Oregon games, I don't know if it works anymore. It's been a little while, but I usually just wait until that first kickoff. And then I just say, I got 40 bucks. I got 60 bucks. Who has a ticket? Because there's people that are still out there trying to dump their tickets that they that they have. And I've always been able to get in for super cheap. And he was telling me how he bought some from some guy. And the people next to him were sitting sitting, and they paid like like eight times as much as he paid for his tickets, you know, by doing the same thing that I do, just buying them just from some random person in the parking lot. But you gotta be careful about that too. You need to be able to see the tickets, you need to be able to transfer the tickets properly. Everybody out there listening to this, this B come from my ticketing background. They're very clever these days. Don't be buying yeah. a PDF off somebody, you know, like maybe, maybe don't even pay them until you're through the gate type thing. Uh, that's what we tell the people at Disneyland down here. I see that on, on Reddit and stuff all the time, but ticketing, man. But that's, that's cool that you were able to use your own product to, <laughs> to save yourself from, from being a victim on that. And uh, a happy ending though, probably not for the Boston fans out there, but <laughs> Carolina won. They went to the next series, so I was able to go to the game seven versus New York, which they didn't win. So, well, but I was it, able to make it to that game seven. Is Carolina your team? Like, uh, the Minnesota Wild are. I'm okay, Minnesota, that's... but I, I was in Carolina at that time, and it's it's good to go to hockey games. Yeah, I've I've been to one, but it was um it was a business like situation where I was in the box, so it wasn't a lot of hockey being watched, a lot of business being discussed, you know, so. I, the I think Kings? I, it was a Kings game and it was, nice. it was in their slump between the, the, the Stanley, the two Stanley cups. So it wasn't like the greatest of games, but I just remember it was, it was in what was Staples center at the time. And now it's crypto.com for, for now. I'm sure they want to get out of that deal. Uh, but it was cold in there. And I remember it was just really weird because it, it felt cold in there and I wasn't used to being in the, in the stadium. That. I live in, in a town called Fullerton now, which is really, it's right next to Anaheim. So we have the Anaheim ducks that are very popular. Um, I probably will go to those games, but I want to be like, I hear hockey. It's best to be close within like football and stuff. Like I like to be up a little higher so I can see the whole field. I don't like to be as close. Um, but I hear hockey, like you have to be close. 
So, yeah. It uh, it depends. I think uh, growing up, I didn't mind being upper deck, but it is more fun being close, I will say. See but, smack uh, into the wall all the time, yeah. all that. <laughs> Make yeah. sure if you get seats on the glass, do not put your beer on the glass. So they're going to knock it all over. I mean, I, I never have yeah. a beer in my hand long enough for it to ever get spilled. Usually I'm throwing it <laughs> down the throat. So, yeah. Well, um, let's, as we begin to wrap things up here, I always ask everybody that's on us, what's the top three trends that are happening in their world? So let's, uh, let's fire off some, some, some three for you. Uh, that's as they relate to identity and, and, and our industry too. So, yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's, it's probably more of an abstract uh, trend or story. Um, but abstractly, I've kind of noticed maybe over the past, uh, maybe 10, 15 years that, uh, that, that bad is becoming more good. Yeah. And I think, uh, maybe my more tangible example is that, uh, I feel like as I'm watching newer movies, it seems like the, the good guy or the main character, that's the anti-hero. The anti-hero doing doing bad to end it, you know, to end good. You know, ends justify the means kind of. Um, that's that's something I've seen as kind of a maybe a rise, and I'm, you know, I I I think you know maybe more introspective of uh, pretend potentially how does how does that message affect culture? How does it affect our industry? Are there you know, more brazen fraudsters out in the world today than maybe there were, you know, 10 years ago. I read stuff in the news, even in Minnesota here about, uh, yeah, I think there was a recent one with the, um, you know, some, some of the COVID funds, you know, they, it doesn't yeah. even seem like they were pretending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, straight up. I mean, yeah, that, that whole thing that, that that's, that's a, yeah. And then, um, what else you got? What was, what was the number two what on else? that one? Number yeah. two, uh, yeah. I've uh, I've been watching you know movies, TV, um, and I was watching that uh, HBO documentary on Elizabeth Holmes with uh, what's that company? Theranos. Oh and, yeah, the lady that could solve all the whole world with one drop of blood. Yep, yep. And just you know, as I watched it, it was it was really interesting. They brought up kind of a a moral question in there for CEOs and founders. You know, and uh, it was something where uh, they had interviewed somebody and he said, you know, the mentality in Silicon Valley is fake it till you make it. So potentially in um, in her mind, this was, um, you know, this was what everyone does. You know, so they fake it till they make it. They fake it till they get the funding. They fake it till they actually get a viable product going. Um, but in the end, you know, you're, you're sitting in, in court for fraud um, <laughs> yeah so uh what is is there a balance to be had there um you know i think uh in in our world um we saw ns8 yep i remember um, that a couple of years ago i still have the t-shirt uh, back from ns8 well i'm surprised yep, they spent, like a, i'm surprised they spent that money on anything real other than a vacation for him but uh. I, I have a i have a t-shirt of some yeah, fraud relic in my in my closet there. So well, yeah, the, the, one of the one of the frauds in the fraud industry, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that was, uh, I think I was I was kind of thinking about that. You know, is there is there a balance? You know, a startup is fake up 
fake it till you make it is it a fraudster mentality or is it a startup mentality and um i think uh you know for for us i um we definitely didn't have that mentality with investors we had the mentality that we were growing our service and that we had to make sacrifices to do so um you know, but we only started with a Yahoo check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to say we were a business back then, um, you know, were we faking it till we made it, you know? I mean, you had an actual product, you know, like I, yeah, they, there's been, there's been companies like, you know, it's slowing down a little bit. People are still raising money, but I think that the, the playing field has been a little more leveled um, in our industry specifically, you know, there was not a lot of attention on it in the early early 2010s especially and then 15 16 you know got to be a lot of attention on it. a lot of investment was coming in and a lot of new companies were starting um, and a lot of those companies had like nsa had hundreds of millions of dollars funding behind them but they the product that they had actually entered into the 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 market was not ready for prime time and like you see people all the time like it was that was like the peak time when when you would have the silver bullet um salesperson like you could buy our product, you can lay off all your people and it'll just take care of itself. And then you see those companies now hiring people back on because that wasn't the reality of what the product was, but they had great salespeople. And and, and Carice has, has talked about it, I think a little bit on her podcast and I, I did an episode with her and it's come up before. Like you can kind of look at, like if you got a new flashy company that's an upstart in your, in your inbox, emailing you every five minutes, you can go to their LinkedIn, go to their company page and then look at the jobs that people do. And you can see that like, if they have more salespeople than they have R and D and engineering, like you have a pretty good idea of, of what their end goal is. And that's probably just the money grab, but with you guys, you know, where it's more engineering first and then actual product that's viable in the marketplace, you know, you're going to have more people that are in technical positions than you are in sales positions, you know, but like, it's one of these, there's one company I'll never name it, but I get a new salesperson in my inbox at least once a quarter. Like they must just be churning and burning through salespeople. And they're one of the companies that you can go and you look and they're mostly salespeople. So, and I know that product and it, I've used that product in the past and it to not great results, but I know some of their customers love them and that's well, great. You know, it, fraud tools work different for everybody's business. So what worked for you might not work for me and vice versa. So, yeah. It's, it's been amazing to see how different I think when I, uh, when I left Target to do Arcal. Um, I got connected with all these businesses that, you know, were using Arcal and it was really cool to see just how different the, even the fraud that would, you know, hit them was different for each company that came to us. And so that was, that was something that was really cool that I, you know, kind of couldn't have guessed because my experience was just at a couple companies. Um, but it was like, uh, we did a case yeah. study where, um, one company, uh, came back where their legitimate customer, I think there was, um, 70% of their, their customers had a certain social, uh, social network that none of the others, you know, it was, it was well above average. And so we were able to say, you know, typically when somebody comes to your site, orders this, and they have this extra data point that you see in our call, yeah, you have really high odds of just letting it through. <laughs> yeah, I you know it's funny because we there was a company that I worked at in the past, and it was when you could still do it was a little more free with what you could do with the social media validations. Um, so we would we would 
give you more positive scores the more things that you were able to verify. So if you were able to verify your your email, you know, you're you're better off. If you're able to verify your email and your phone number, you're better off. And that's like by doing like sending a two-factor, you know, like text messages, you know, email, whatever it may be, you can click the verify button. But one of the things that we would do is we would have, we would give you more points and more social media profiles that you had registered onto your account at that company. And we could pull in at the time, this is before Cambridge Analytica, uh, you could pull in the, the friends list count so we could see. So you'd have people that, that like were trying to, to use that as the extra validation to get through, but they only had like one friend or no friends. So it was super easy to like, it would look on paper, it would look like they had validated all these things, but then you look at it and you're like, that's just another shell account. You know, it's just, it's just doing it to do it. Uh, and that was, that was super useful. Like we could, what we would disparate rules, you know, if, it, if it's Facebook validated, it's got one or less than one friend or one or less friends, like get rid of it, you know, like, no, yeah. no, especially on money transfer stuff, you know, you don't want to have any sort of people doing things like that. So, Yeah. What are you guys? Uh, are you guys back in the office? What what what, do you, what kind of what kind of work schedule you guys got over there? What's 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 the happenings in the Minneapolis area? <laughs> you know, we've always ever since 2012, we've always been remote. Wow, how so we, progressive we were! Yeah, we were prepared when everything, you know, went remote. We were kind of just like, well, nothing seems any different for us. But I'm not. I'm not going to advertise that because <laughs> yeah. there's, you know, everybody else was really feeling the, the weight of leaving the office. And we actually wanted to do uh, as much as we could to help, uh, help our users with what we could, you know, recognizing that, but for, for us, we were prepared for that. Um, you know, so we got, uh, um, yeah. we have five team members now. Look at you growing, growing, and, growing. And uh, they're all remote. So we got several in Carolina and now a couple in Minnesota, including myself. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really cool to, to, to have that. Uh, I would say since, you know, the early days when it was just me and Mike, it's, it's been fun to have more people collaborating. For yeah. Sure. You can actually have conversations with uh, extra people that have other, other, other things happening in their worlds to, to tell about their day. I, yeah. uh, I was just um, like, I'm, I'm a remote employee at, at my new company, you know, and I've been remote a long time ago, like in the, in the mid 2000, 2000s, you know, like a six, seven, eight, nine i was a remote employee but then going back to the office getting used to that but then obviously when we all got sick we all had to go home but i'm, I'm now fully classified as a remote employee but i spent uh, a couple of days this week in in my company's office in irvine we we're doing some some payment stuff there and it it's exhausting to get there and to get home but i will say not that i want to go back but i do enjoy seeing people and collaborating it's nice to do that every once in a while but oh my gosh, it takes a lot of my energy now to go in and do that. When like that used to be my daily life. Like I went, I went in two days this week, and our office is gorgeous. It's nice. It's outfitted. Like we have everything you could ever want in a tech office. But man, was I tired by the time I got home. <laughs> yeah. One of, one of the things you don't realize when it's working from home, working at the office, was um, working at home. You need to really set boundaries <laughs> because. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden your, um, your personal life blends with your work that much more. Yeah. And you're so always like, working. It's yep. dinner. You're, you you're always working and, yeah. and you're never working. 
yeah, that's <laughs> you true. feel both at the same time. And uh, uh, when when I first started Arcal, actually, I would say when I was first unemployed uh, after college, um, you know, you go through that process of applying for jobs. Oh yeah, the fun. Process. And uh, yeah, it it always felt when I was asked questions, you know, like how's how's the the job hunt going it's like well you don't have a job <laughs> so do you really feel successful <laughs> in what you're doing looking for a job you know do you really want to advertise like say yeah i, I look for a job a little bit today but i also went and grabbed lunch went and played some yeah, video games that's know? a good point <laughs> yeah you know i sent off a uh, couple of those it was it was rough yeah. when, like the, when the economy was dead i was doing that same thing it's like how many like i can't sit here for eight hours and fire off applications you know it's just not gonna work <laughs> But. And then, uh, and then when I went to start Arcal, it was a little reminiscent of that. You know, you have kind of the sitting at home, like you don't have the, you have to be in the office by nine, and you have to be there till five. You don't have that, so it's like, when, when do I choose to make a call? When do I choose to make an email? Um, you know, while you're, while you're in a meeting or something, you know, you get pinged. It's like, um, you, know, you can respond to it right there you know, while you're, while you're there, or you could wait, give it your attention after, you know, all of these things that you may be, um, it, I, I felt like office was a lot more structured. So you had to, you had to learn that structure. And I, mm-hmm. I, I for one had to learn how to rest because it was always at the back of my mind. What, what can I do to grow the company? What can I do to grow the company? And then all of a sudden it's just like, um, you know, when you're thinking about that, in a sense, you're kind of always working. Yeah. So you, even though you think about like punching a clock, yeah. you, know, you can just kind of go home and not think about it. But, um, you know, being, being a founder and then when COVID hit, everybody kind of came to that because they all had to be home and do their work and they all had the freedom to go out to lunch, take the dog out, but then they had to go back to work and remember, oh, how much time did I take to do that? And they probably, you probably don't think that when you work at home, you think more like a founder. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, I, I would try to set my boundaries with my start times and my end times, but it it just always gets blurred. It, if someone's pinging me after five, in my company, like when I was at my last company, it was a, we were all, we started earlier. At this company, they work a little later. So I still haven't got out of the starting early. I like to get up early and get my emails and get my coffee and get everything out of the way. And then I like to finish a little early, but I'm getting pings, you know, five, six, seven o'clock at night here because the folks just tend to work later here. And that's just what happens, you know, like you have to, to have your work, work, the work from home life works around the rest of your life, you know, grabbing the kids, making dinner, those sorts of things. So it can be, it can be a, a little more involved, but yeah, at the same time, like I think you put that, you said it well, and it's like, you think you're working more, but you're also working less at the same time, <laughs> you know? <clears throat> with the guitar riff that you're about to play the bass riff did you do that or where'd you get that oh the the oh that i got it from a, a royalty free site it was the only one that had uh rock because everything else was like um super environmental sounds calming sounds so it's a it's a, a i don't even remember exactly the website that i got it from but it's a royalty free licensed piece of music that somebody wrote i am working on another one with an old employee of mine that is now an edm musician um he is going to make me a new intro and outro specifically for that um 
but it's going to be flavored in that same flavor. So it's not going to be all like techno and all that. It's going to be more e in the vein of, of that already. Well, you like that. It's pretty good though, isn't it? It's a pretty good piece of music. <clears throat> yeah. I, I listened, you know, to several of the podcasts and I was kind of like, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool intro and outro that he's got. The, um, I was like, I got to remember to ask him. Well, so <laughs> while actually, I have, I've been meaning to, um, I, I, I play guitar and I still take guitar lessons twice a week. Uh, I was supposed to take one later today. We'll see if uh, if we can make that schedule. I got a little tight schedule today. But I was actually going to see if I could work on re-recording that. Uh, and so it, it would truly be like not my composition, but my actual playing on there. So uh, that is something that I've thought about. But I wanted to see what um, what Evan's going to make for the for the EDM side. Uh, and see how that sounds and then maybe maybe we'll have a little bit of both maybe i'll rotate it around maybe i'll put it in the middle who knows you know but yeah <laughs> i'll i'll let you do your outro sorry <laughs> no it's all good man that's that's funny i'm gonna you know, it, i just try to wrap them all up wrap it up into a, a nice package here you know but that's uh that that's fair enough i like when i like when i get asked questions uh on this because usually i'm the one doing the question asking so it's fun when people ask me questions and i'm totally gonna leave this whole conversation in on our thing <laughs> when it goes live oh, good so, um, yeah, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for, for being generous with your time uh, and for making the investment and getting a mic. That was a lot of fun. Sorry, my email was, was super short yesterday. I was in a bunch of meetings. Like I said earlier, I was on, on site. So I just shot to the email when I when I had a free moment there. But it sounded great. Um, the conversation was great. Your company is, is extremely useful. I think that people are going to be really... Uh, happy to know because if they weren't aware already that there are other identity players in this space so if if there's a different type of thing that you're after i think that it's it's really important to to know all the the people that that represent this this area in identity and verification services uh arcal is, is a fantastic product i've used it at several companies everybody i will put all the links to them uh i'll put rob's actual linkedin information in the description like i do with everybody all my guests uh yeah reach out to him have some conversations it's a great product so thanks again for your time today man. hey thank you so much 